Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. The How to Trade It podcast is all about making our listeners successful at trading. When you listen to real people sharing their stories of how they overcame their own trading failures, it connects you to a level of enlightenment that you can't get from education alone. These stories contain wisdom and actionable tips that will make you a better trader. Listen to each episode and become the successful trader that you want to be on the How to Trade It podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the How to Trade It podcast. And I'm here with my friend, Rob Booker, who's been a trader for many years. He's also the author of Adventures in Currency Trading. Thank you so much for being on the show, Rob. It's great to be here, Casey. Good to see you again. It's been a long time since I've seen you in person, and this is definitely the next best thing. Yeah. As we were saying before the show, because we haven't been able to get out and about, we haven't been able to have a lot of in-person meetings. So yes, I agree. This has been great. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you again in person when we can get back to normal. When are we getting back to normal? Have you heard? Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Great. I will be ready to get back to normal tomorrow. I'm ready to go. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Excellent. So I just wanted to start out by, I like to just get everybody a quick starter, just to give everybody a brief update on who you are and what you're doing these days. Yeah. So I'm Rob. I've known you. I don't know. How long have I known you? At least 10 years. At least 10 years. I can remember walking into a coffee shop in San Diego, California, a million years ago and seeing you across, I was like, I think that's Casey. I was like, I think that's Casey. <laughs> I was like, I really want to talk to him. And my friend Tim was like, yeah, Casey's a friend of mine. I could totally introduce you to Casey. And it's like, I mean, so that's my first memory, but I'm sure that we knew each other professionally a little bit before that. Yeah. I actually remember that. Yes. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had an enormous respect for the way that you do things and the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you treat your traders that work with you, the way you run your business and the stuff that you teach. Like I said, it's great to be here. And I always love talking to you. Well, I really appreciate that, Rob. And it's not often my guests say that. So I really appreciate it. But it's all about you today, buddy. <laughs> all right. Well, then you need better guests. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's great to be here. I don't know what your trading was like during the last year and during the pandemic, but I am fascinated by the way things either changed or didn't change or the way that the increased volatility affected people's trading. I mean, it certainly has had effect, a giant effect on the way that I trade or the things that I do. Definitely has been good in some respect because there's been some very large increases, which if you're good at managing your risk, you can just kind of take advantage of those big moves. And especially in the stock market where initially it was pretty rough for the first couple months of the pandemic, but after everything started kicking in, it's been straight up since then. And so that's been helpful and done really well for me with my strategies where I'm trying to just find trends that are moving on. I like to try to find consolidation patterns and some kind of pattern to then just get the follow through. And yeah. the market has been great for doing that. Yeah, it's been great. I 
so I started out in Forex. I traded Forex exclusively for 13 years. And you know, I went through a bunch of different strategies culminating in robotic strategies that ran automatically, which still function fine and whatever else. But when, especially last January, when volatility just seemed to spike, there was probably still 20% of my trading that was done in Forex and that's gone. Like I haven't made one currency trade in probably at least 13 or 14 months now. It's been a long time. And it won't, it doesn't mean I won't make another one. It just means that for the types of things that I do, the types of strategies that I like to trade, this market has been really good for me to trade stocks with a couple of exceptions where things went horribly wrong and I got stubborn. But other than that, it's been great. Yes. Being stubborn is sometimes a great strength. And also at other times it's a great weakness. It has, it's like when you, like not quitting, there's been a lot of times when I should have quit, but it's a good thing I was stubborn because I didn't. I think not quitting is great for things like raising children. Don't quit. Working through relationships that are meaningful and important and don't quit. But then there are other things. Quitting is really good, like smoking, drinking to excess, or holding on to a losing trade, like on Wayfair until it was a $22,000 loss. That's just, of course, hypothetical. I didn't really, I did do that last year. You know, I just had the, just a super stubborn trade on Wayfair. And of course, I closed it at a $22,000 loss at the moment it turned and had been so humiliated by Wayfair that I didn't take the trade at the time when I should have taken it because I had wasted so much time, energy, effort, and emotion on the trade when I shouldn't have taken it. And just what it was super disappointing. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that, Rob, but I will just disclose that I had a really good trade on Wayfair last year. It was dropping and I got in on a nice call option and it just took off after and that. You rode that sucker. It was That's probably true. right around the same time you were closing your $22,000 loss. <laughs> Well, so the stock market is a zero-sum game. My losses have to go to someone else, and your gains have to come from someone else. And I'd like to think that if I had to lose that money, that it went to you. That's oh, well, what thanks. I'd like to think. Yeah, that your point on quitting is well taken. I read a marketing book called uh, 8020 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall, and he talks about the Pareto principle, which is pretty famous and it applies in trading, but it applies in everywhere in your life. And I've ever since then, I've literally see everything in an 80, 20 lens. And it's basically, oh, the stuff that's not working, you need to quit doing that and then start doing more of the stuff that does work. And it really works in trading. And like you said, you just stopped doing currency trading. So you were evaluating what was working better and you just do more. And if you continue to do that in every area of life, you really start to see exponential growth all over the place. Yeah, it's been true for me too. I read, so I think it's Richard Koch or C-K-O-C-H wrote a book that I read during law school. And I went to law school in the mid nineties and I read this book, The 80-20 Principle, and it, it blew my mind. Like I, my mind exploded. I think I missed class the next day. I missed a lot of class in law school, but I remember <laughs> reading that and a small number of things that you do are responsible for a large percentage of the results that you get that are positive. It's also true for me that a small number of mistakes that I make in trading are responsible for 90. I don't know what the level up beyond 80, 20 is something like, I don't remember what the level up is, but it's like 98, one or 98, two or something like that, that 2% of your efforts. If you really break it down all the way that there are very few things that really matter. And most of us are spending time doing all kinds of busy work and stupid things. But also for me, that principle has been very true and important to reflect on 
when it comes to a loss. Like I had some losing trades this morning. The morning didn't go well. I lost track of a couple trades and I traded 40,000 shares instead of 4,000 shares. And that became a problem. But this thing that's in the front of my mind, just like you were saying, there's this thing in the front of my mind that says a small number of my mistakes are eventually going to be a substantial percentage of my losses unless I do something fast. So what would have been a $380 loss was a $3,800 loss, which in terms of my trading, it's not catastrophic financially for me. It's less than a percent of the total account value of trading, but it's catastrophic in the sense of that's something that I would never do. That's something. And I closed it. And if I hadn't closed it, it would have been $11,000 right now of losses. And once it's at $11,000, I'm like, F it. Like, I'm like, I'll just hold this thing overnight. And then that's how the, it's not just stubbornness. It's also like the turtle syndrome. It's like going back into my shell and I cut it off, which I would consider as much of a victory as having a winning trade or having a great day of trading yesterday. Depends on how you look at it and it's your perspective. And you're using a great perspective of looking at it in that factor. And it's really true, especially because when you look at the potential psychological impact that has on you because you might be down for the rest of the day because you're calling yourself a dummy or whatever. Oh man, why didn't I just do what I knew I was supposed to do? Like things like that. I was talking to to Tim Sykes. So I was talking to Tim. I went to Florida and saw Tim and we were recording some videos together or whatever. And I met some of the people that trade with him, some of his challenge students. And one of them in particular told me that his trading had turned around significantly when he was journaling his losses. And we hear a lot about keeping a trade journal and I haven't historically been a fan of trade journaling because I don't really learn a lot from the same trade taken a million times over. That's the same result in a positive way. But this trader in particular described that his trading made a significant turn for the better six years ago when he started journaling his losses. And there's, he kept a spreadsheet with the date, the size of the loss. He didn't even care about the entry and exit prices and all that crap. He didn't care about the chart either, the date, the amount of the loss, and then how it happened with the symptom, like the underlying causes of it, and then what he was going to do going forward. And there were these three paragraphs inside these word-wrapped Excel cells. And I saw the spreadsheet. I was like, can you pull it up? And he showed me this spreadsheet. And it was like a real eye-opener to me that he was learning a lot from his losses. And we say that you can learn more from your losses than your wins. I guess that's only if you actually attempt to learn more from your losses. So I actually look forward today to journaling in this spreadsheet, I have a new tab on my spreadsheet, on my trade tracking spreadsheet, and I'm going to list the symbol, the date, and then the size of the loss, the $3,800. And then I'm going to talk about that it's the share size problem primarily that I didn't correct it immediately. I took 40,000. I do this a lot. This is not an uncommon thing for me. And I'll make small errors in zeros or whatever else. And I immediately will usually correct it. And I didn't. And so there has to be some kind of underlying cause for that. I got greedy. I was like, oh, it's going well. It's up one penny and I'm up a whole bunch of money. I'm going to keep it. And it just it dropped really fast. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I let that, we talk about greed, it's the same old stuff we talk about every time, but it really got me. And there has to be some way, like, what am I going to do going forward? How am I going to deal with that? That's a challenge. Well, one of the ways is like, you got to feel the pain of it. And now it's going to take me, I'm going to spend two sessions gaining back my confidence, trading a symbol like that. I'm going to spend two sessions just grinding it out. I'm definitely, now I have to make sure that tomorrow I don't go into the market saying, oh, I want to get all $3,800 back. There's all kinds of consequences to this now, which I could have avoided in the first place if I had closed it even sooner. 
Yeah, I think that when that happens to me, the biggest issue is the greed because I'm thinking, oh, well, I would never put on that big of a position, but maybe it will work out for me and I'll make a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I stayed within my, to a certain extent, I stayed within my loss parameter, like to a certain extent. I mean, I have a 1% rule or whatever you want to call it, but I never let it get there. But it wouldn't be technically true to say that this is okay. It's not okay. Right. Yeah. You Um, don't want to lie to yourself. You can lie to, I mean, the one person you don't want to lie to, you don't want to lie to anybody, but you definitely do not want to lie to yourself. Yeah. The most dangerous lie you can tell is the one you tell yourself. That's the most dangerous lie you can tell because it all gets figured out eventually. It all comes out eventually. And there's a consequence to be paid at some point. And to tell myself to rationalize it, that's a lie. In other words, that's a lie. To rationalize and say, well, it's in the 1% rule and it was just a quick mistake and I took care of it. Let's focus on the positive. It's like, okay. Yeah. So why do you think it made such a difference with that guy you talked to about writing down his losses? Why do you think that had such an impact on him? It's a good question. I think I'm going to say something that might not be true, but I want it to be controversial and I want people to push against this. So if you're listening and you don't agree with me, I want you to argue with me in your head or write down why you disagree with me. And I think that's how learning happens is when two people disagree with each other and somehow you see each other's point of view and then you somehow you come out better for having been exposed to a different point of view. I think they're 100% of the traders that I have met that have been unsuccessful or washed out. 100% of them went through some kind of cycle of did well, did badly, did well, did badly, did well, 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 well. At the time they were taking the biggest size trade, took the biggest loss, and never really recovered from this cycle of trying to get it back. And then it descended into madness. And then there's pizza boxes all over the floor and you haven't slept or showered for a week. And you wake up and you're like, it's, you lose, you go blind, the world gets fuzzy, and then you get lost, you black out, you have trading blackout. And you just, you wake up a week later and you've lost most of your account and you really don't remember it all happening. You just remember trying to claw it back. And I've heard this now a bajillion times. And when I closed Wayfair, I gave back at the time that I closed Wayfair, I gave back one third of all of my gains for the year. I took a giant step back. So I was up $66,000 for the year and I was down. All of a sudden I took a $22,000 loss. And I thought like, if I took two more of those, I'd be at zero, but I wouldn't take two more like that. The next one I would take would be doubling down on Wayfair and taking a $40,000 loss. And then I'm scratched for the year. And then I want to be back to 60. And I've done that. I did that in 2010. I lost money in 2010 or whatever, fighting the Swiss Franc. Nothing good at all came from that. So the journaling, he said, it reminded him what he started to see a pattern when he went and he took a loss that was outsized. He, number one, he added to a losing position after he had already allocated his full position size. So let's say that I put $20,000 in a trade. That's the maximum amount of money that I will put on a trade, whether a stock's $10, $1, 50 cents, I can do a position of $20,000. If I start it with 10 grand, I've got some powder dry that I can feed into that trade. It can go against me and I can add to a losing position. I haven't used my full position size, which means I haven't even remotely taken my full loss yet. It's fine to add to a losing position. I could add to a winning position if I want to on that trade. But if I take the full position size, so what he realized was every single one of his bad trades, the one common factor was he was adding to a losing position after he had already implemented, deployed his full amount of trading capital that he would deploy. And he was still adding to the position to try to crawl out of the hole. And he was like, I just realized there was this 1% that was causing the 90, 
the 80-20 rule. If he just solved that, if he never again added to a losing position after he had deployed all of his trading capital, he would eliminate almost every single one of the catastrophic losses that he had. And then it's a struggle to actually stay disciplined and do that. But once you know exactly what the thing is that will make the most amount of difference, it also gets a little bit exciting. You can get excited about that, that you don't have a daunting task of doing 72 things differently. You just really have to do one thing differently. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I think the focus, I think there's probably a subconscious part to it, you know, where he's getting it so deeply inside of him, it just makes it easier subconsciously because it's really focused. We're so distracted. We're all over the board with so much going on in the world. But if we take some time out and focus, that really helps channel your energy and get the output that you're looking for. Yeah, I've noticed also that right now I take losses every two weeks or so. I'll go through my morning routine. I'll get my list of stocks and I'll get them put into the watch list. And I have like a checklist in Apple Notes. Like I just sit in there and I just copy and paste the same checklist over and over and over again. And I'll go through the checklist and I'll get to the final step in the checklist where the watch list is in trading view and they're flagged appropriately. And I've looked at the daily charge and I've flagged the ones in blue that are the best ones. And I will get to that step. And what I realized today is one of the lessons I've learned is if there's more than... 10 stocks that are still flagged in blue that are the top stocks for me that day. I haven't narrowed it down far enough. And I even felt this discomfort. I was looking at my watch list and I was like, this is too big. There's too many of these. I haven't had, I didn't get up early and I got up 10 minutes late today. And that 10 minutes is usually the time in which I narrow down that 10 to three. And for better or for worse, those are my three I do a great job on the days where it's just down to three and I didn't do it. And that is, I took six different trades on six different stocks and that's where I made a mistake. I was doing so many trades that I typed in that extra zero. It's easy to figure out how I did that. Yeah. And I've been trying to get up early and so I'm writing myself, I'm on like a 12 day streak. So this is something that I've tried to do for like the last five or six years. So whether I've had victory yet or not is too early to tell, but I've tried to get up early and just focus and write down notes and journal and not necessarily about trading, but just about whatever my biggest focus and problems are. And so I've been doing that. I'm doing 12 days in a row. And there's a lot of days where I had to stay up late because something happened or whatever. And I just hit that alarm button and I didn't want to get up, but I did it anyways the last 12 days. And so I'm celebrating that win. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, what time are you getting up? I'm getting up at five o'clock. Okay. And so my daily process is get up at five, at least now. And that gives me an hour to just focus and journal and just relax, just really using my mind. So one of my mentors told me that the problem is most people don't think. So I'm just trying to think, get that mind engaged. And then at six, I get my kids ready, get them to school. And then I get to the office by 730. Is your office in your home? It is not. It is about 30 minutes away. And mainly because I have nine children. And if I was trying to work from home, that would be chaos. No, that makes sense. My office is, I'm sitting in my office now. My office is across the bridge from where I live. So I walk over the bridge. I drove here today to be on time-ish for our interview. (laughs) But I don't like working outside of my home. Like I trade better at home. I like working from home a lot. My kids are teens. They don't care about me. And But anyway, I found that if I stay up past midnight, it all goes to heck. And I was like seeing somebody and they would like call me at like 11 p.m. Like they were ready to go out. And then I was going to bed at 
two or three o'clock in the morning. And I stopped trading for like three weeks. And I was like, what am I doing with this person? <laughs> like this person is ruining my trading yeah. schedule. And it was, it's like small incremental improvements along the way. But it's funny that I'm 20 years in, I'm still learning these things. And that morning routine is critical. There's, it's a, there's a big difference between, I used to wake up at five also. I wake up at seven now. But if I wake up at seven ten, the whole thing is shifted and the market doesn't go, well, we'll open 10 minutes later. <laughs> The market doesn't open at 8.40 for me that day, but I need that 10. That's the latest I can get up and do my routine unless somehow I magically decide that I'm going to trade a different strategy that's going to work just as well, which I'm not going to find that. Yeah. Wow. That's good. So this has been some really good stuff and I appreciate you sharing. We're taking a short two-minute break for a handpicked message from our sponsor, dreamtrades.com. This is a special offer available only for the listeners of the How to Trade It podcast. Do you have a plan for your financial future? Do you have enough money for the things you need to do? I bet if you're like most people, you don't have enough money saved for retirement right now. Am I right? Well, investing in stocks may be the answer you're looking for. Dream Trades Monthly Alerts makes it super easy for beginners and those who simply just don't have the time or the desire to spend hours researching what stocks to trade. Dream Trades Monthly Alerts removes the guesswork from which stock to pick by providing you with a monthly in-depth analysis of a very high-profile stock. The research is done for you. You get in-depth research a full report each and every month. And in the last year, Dream Trades has gotten 100% return on investment for everyone following the reports. Because you're a listener of the How to Trade It podcast, we're giving you a code for $25 off a one-year subscription. Check it out at dreamtrades.com. All you got to do is click on monthly alerts and use the coupon code podcast to get the $25 off. Again, just go to dreamtrades.com and select monthly alerts, then use the coupon code PODCAST. I want to switch gears a little bit and just, we got a lot of beginning traders that listen to the show. And so I want to kind of go into that kind of thing. How long does it actually take to become a trader that can be successful? That's the, probably the number one question that I get. We were talking about this a little earlier. I would say... I don't really care what anybody's definition of success is, whether it's profitability or trading for a living or whatever you want to call it. My answer these days is not great. So are we all prepared for me to say something that everyone's going to hate? Well, I can take it. <laughs> I, would say seven, I would say seven years. And I got this number, not because I did. So I've been working with traders for 16 years, been trading for 21 years now. And now I have a more intense process that I work with traders on. But I say seven years anyway, and it comes from an annual, I think it's an annual letter from Jeff Bezos to shareholders when the Fire Phone, the Amazon Fire Phone was a failure. And he was in the shareholder letter, as I remember it, the information here is accurate. I don't know if it was in a shareholder letter or what it was. He said, we give ourselves seven years for a product to fail and cost us money, which gives us an infinitely longer timeline than any one of our competitors. And the fact that we will invest in, it's a very Japanese manufacturing company mentality that they will outlast the competition. And Japanese cars at first were terrible compared to American cars. They were unreliable. They were small. They were death traps. They were a lot of things. But the government was going to basically subsidize those companies until they figured it all out. 
And that's the same way that Jeff Bezos was. We have built a business where we don't report. We're not going to answer to shareholders who have a short time frame point of view on how long it's going to take for the Fire phone to be successful or whatever. Amazon's going to come out with another phone or buy a phone, like whatever. I mean, but he, it really hit me that when you give yourself seven years mentally, you take a step back and you suddenly don't care if you're trading with micro or mini lots as a Forex trader, or you're trading one share at a time on a no commission broker as a stock trader. You suddenly realize that I have seven years. The first year I could end up $100 and it's part of a seven year process. But the one thing you can't do is say that I needed to work in seven months. So you immediately jump in with full trade sizes and whatnot. And because you only gave yourself seven months, or in some cases, people give themselves much less than that, they blow it up. Because, the, But if you give yourself seven years, you could be profitable in two months because your mental frame of mind is not rushing it, not impatient, not forcing it. You easily will take a week off. My dad's having surgery on Monday. I'm leaving on Sunday for Arizona. I'm not going to trade Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. It's off the books. I'm not going to trade those days. It's not going to be an environment conducive to me doing it. And he's going to be looking over my shoulder or fan. I, like, it's not going to work, but I don't have some time frame that says I've got him inconvenient that I took this loss. <laughs> I would like to get back. But <laughs> right. It's, it's actually convenient that now I'm not rushed or frantic about it. And so it doesn't really take seven years, but it does take the mentality that you would give yourself seven years. And if you go, I'm not, I don't have seven years for this to be successful. Don't do this. Don't do it at all. Do something else. Find some other job that will pay you $100,000 a year once you're good at it that you can do in a couple of months. Go do that. If you can find it, I don't even want to know what it is. I don't care. I'm happy doing what I do now. So I don't even feel confident in my trading now. I don't have some kind of like superhuman amount of confidence in my trading. I follow a strategy and a checklist and I'm disciplined and I'm publicly transparent and a group of people can see every trade that I make inside my live account. That's the only way I stay on track. Like, it's that's a magical moment where you suddenly become ultra confident like, and you've arrived. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset, and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. That's a different perspective. I don't know if I've heard the seven years before. I would say my first reaction to it is just that based off of that long-term horizon, most of the people, or not most, but a lot of people will never get to seven years because they crash and burn way before that. So I'm like, okay, is this an average of including the people that are crash and burn or does that exclude all those people? But if perhaps they're focusing on being consistent rather than having a certain 
number in mind, they wouldn't crash and burn in ever. Imagine any other job if you walked in and you said, thank you for hiring me. I would love five years worth of paychecks within the next two months. We haven't done the work, so you're not going to get those paychecks. They're not going to advance you that money. So the real question is, what's the average paycheck for a successful trader? What would people consider to be successful? And I would say between fifty dollars and $100,000 a year from trading is it puts you in the top percentages. It puts you in a class of people who could probably trade for a living or at least significantly subsidize their lifestyle. Now, that's an amount of money that I've never seen anyone ramp up to, get to, and consistently stay at five to $10,000 a month within two months. I've never seen that. That just doesn't, in my experience, maybe I'm not a good teacher. Maybe I just don't know people who are superhuman in their abilities. I've never met a millionaire trader that it took less than a few years. I've never met. There, there aren't any examples that I've met. I've met traders who made $700,000 in year one and then lost all of it in month 13. I've met that person before. But if we're really talking about starting a career, learning how to do it, and becoming proficient at it, well, then it's just the frame of mind. It's not really seven years. It's the frame of mind. It's rushing it, wanting to get rich quick, which I would include in less than a year. <laughs> That I would include get rich quick with anything less than a couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting when you put the perspective on it, because when you think about it in that term, for traders to think that it seems totally normal, but in any other place in the world, it would be completely backward to think like when you use that paycheck example. I was hiring someone to help me out in the office here a couple months ago, and I get a lot of applications. And I know you've had people work for you, so you had some experience doing that. But I got this one gal who just graduated from college, and I put the price on the, like how much they were going to make on the application. So it wasn't a mystery, right? You're in a range for here. This is what you're going to get. And before even filling out the application, she said, well, I just graduated from college, but the amount you're offering isn't enough for me. And I was kind of blown away by that response <laughs> because I'm like, you saw how much I was paying. You didn't even need to apply to this job and you have zero experience and you're already demanding a raise before you even filled out the application. And I, <laughs> it's like, okay, you're not really right. operating on the planes of reality here. Compare that to my, so that's a great story. Compare that to my assistant who I hired. I've had some great assistants over the years. Like, and it makes a huge difference in my life when I have a really good executive assistant. And they will usually move on to do bigger and better things or one state for 13 years. Like, there's some great examples of that. But this time around, I put the job application, the job notice on Facebook and a staff accountant at my CPA's firm wrote me privately and said, I'd like the job. And in that case, before I'd even talked about salary or whatever, this is the best person that has ever applied for. It is like a superstar. This is a superstar. This is an ultra superstar. And I didn't care what the number was. And it's right. shocking because that person who had experience who's super smart, who's ultra dedicated, who's the most responsible person who already had access to all of my finances and had my complete trust already said, well, I'm not going to tell you what I want to make. I just really want the job for whatever it pays. I really want the job. Like that's a way different perspective. Someone who was qualified, who did have the experience, who was worth more than what I was probably prepared to offer said they wanted the job. But that attitude is, that's the attitude. Like a trader who comes in and says, I don't care what I make for the first year. I want to learn and deploy strategies, get focused, master a strategy, 
implement it with small amounts of money. If I miss the biggest bull market in history, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't have FOMO. I just want to learn. Like that attitude is priceless. It makes all the difference. And then, of course, I hired Liz and we finally got around to what she was making, finally got around to what I was prepared to offer. And then I just said, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to, I want you to start two weeks from now. I'm going to increase what you wanted significantly. And then in 90 days, we'll get you to the number that I was prepared to pay. So she was so quickly outperformed all of my expectations, starting with the attitude. It's, it's so much of this is all about someone's perspective and attitude. Right. It's about what you can give or in trading, you're not really giving, but in, in a working environment, how can you add value? How can you be helpful to the team? How can you serve other people? How can I add to the bottom line? But you translate that to trading is like, how can I follow my process? How can I learn? There's just so many. It's just it's the job. You just got to right? flip it. It's a job. It is a job. Yeah. Trading is a job. And if you think it's a pastime, a hobby or whatever, you can just go away. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk. To you. It's a job. If you don't show up for your job, you're fired. If you don't do your job, you're fired. If you lose the company significant amounts of money, you're fired. If you, like all of these things, like if you have a terrible attitude at work, you're fired. If you don't build and follow a process, if you're not constantly striving to improve, you're fired. If you try to leave work early every day, you're fired. Why would trading be any different? Like, What is it that somebody thinks? And the difference is you don't have to apply. There's no boss. There's no barrier to entry. There's no qualifications or certifications that are required, which there should like not from the government. There should be a process. You should work with someone like Casey and you should get certified or trained by Casey. You should get trained before you're deploying capital. Like all of these things are true and it's just a job. But the challenge is you have to create that job or you have to have somebody teach you how to treat it like a job and then you have to do it. That's it's not any different than a job. Yeah. Well, I think the people that are listening have a lot to go through right now. And I think this is a great place just to hang it up. But I want to ask you about what you're doing right now, what you're doing for traders and what you've got going on your end. If people that are listening like what they have to hear, they want to hear more about and get to know you better, what, where can they go? What are you doing? Well, I appreciate that. By the time that this episode airs, so my life is like this. I get up at seven. I trade at 8.30 in the morning central time when the market opens. I'm done by 10 a.m. my time or 11 a.m. Eastern time. Like I'm done. If I'm still going, it's not going well. And then after that, I will film videos or work with traders. And all of what I do right now is just a bunch of low cost entry level ways to get to know me and experiment with or see how I do things, which all lead to one place, which is the coaching program that I do where I work more with a smaller group of traders and that's expensive. Everything else is sort of just like get to know me and it changes all the time. There could be an ebook, there could be a class, there could be a little boot camp to get started in trading. So all of that's going to be it is at robbooker.com. So if someone goes to robbooker.com, R-O-B-B-O-K-E-R, they can get to know me. I have a ton of free stuff. As you know, Casey, like so much of what I do is free. 90% of what I do is free. And then if they want to take that next step, there's a lot of ways to sort of jump inside the business and get an idea of how I treat people and what kind of strategies I use. And then my hope is that someone eventually applies for and becomes a coaching student. That's where I have the most fun. Those are the students that I have the most contact with. And those are generally traders who have the most success working with. Excellent. So for everyone that is listening, just go ahead and go over to robbooker.com. The link will be in the description. So if you're on your phone, you can just pull it up and wherever the, you're listening to the podcast, you can just click that link and go right there. Or if you're listening on your desktop, it's right there in the description. So I would recommend that go check it out and sign up for whatever's on his page because 
I don't know what's going to be there, but I do know that it's going to be something of great value. And also just a little assignment for everyone that's listening. Make sure you listen to some of the things that Rob was telling you about attitude and expectations. And there's a lot of good nuggets that he dropped that could make a big difference for you. Journaling, a lot of different things to take away from this. And so Rob, thank you. This was a great time, great info. It just I really appreciate you and thank you for being here. I appreciate it, Casey. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that's it for this episode and we'll see you guys next time on the How to Trade It podcast. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.